more exclusive interviews. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by ElisaIlana.com. Here's Mulberry Lane. Well, James Grundler has had quite the musical journey that has led him to his golden state. Previously, he has stood on the edge of musical success with indie cult rock band Palo Alto. After the bottom dropped out of the music industry in the mid-2000s, taking Palo Alto with it, James went back to the drawing board and found himself inspired not by the current topics of music, but by the power struggles happening in the world around him. Now, this led to a new start as Golden State, and James joins us now to share with you the new music and the reinvention process. James Grundler, he's the frontman of the band, Golden State on our show. Welcome to the show, James. Wow, do you guys do session work? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so we need Thank to you. know the story of the band, how you guys came together, and who's in the band? The band is myself, Mark Baggio, who is the lead guitar player. Okay. Uh, it's got Kemba Walters, who is the drummer. Uh, but the band he's primarily focused on right now, aside from Golden State, is a band that he fronts called Ages. Okay. Okay. And Corey Clark, who is the bass player. Okay. Uh, Corey Clark is also the lead guitar player in that band, Ages. He just came in recently. Uh, we had another bass player in the band. His name is Elias Reedy, and he was in a band called Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Okay, yes. Yeah, and they had some success back in the, in the old days. Musicians are, as you know, it's a hard road to travel yeah. when, when you are just doing this on your own. You have to have other avenues, you know, especially for income and stuff. And, you know, there's times when, when things just kind of take its course and, and you have to move on and that, that, that is the unfortunate reality of music. You know? Right, but and then you might really love playing with certain people but economically yeah. it just doesn't make sense anymore. Absolutely, absolutely, you know, but as long as somebody's carrying the torch, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> the, <laughs> the last man the standing. Will, yeah, exactly, the music will prevail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now you were signed with another band, Palo Alto, at the height of, you know, the chaos in the music industry when you know the whole digital thing happened and nobody knew what to do so you were at the point where it was very exciting you're on the verge of you know releasing an album on a major label and all of this and then because of circumstances it, it went away so talk about you know the frustration of that time let's put the, the time machine back to way back okay and this is when the whole internet was still relatively young when it comes to promoting artists and things like that. It didn't happen that way. It was the way music should be. You know, you, you put out a record and, and it gets played on the radio and it, and it either generates an interest or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> At the same time, it started to develop as we were finishing our record, the, the internet whole thing with, uh, you know, the hacking that was going on with Napster and all that kind yeah. of stuff was really putting a pressure on the record industry. Mm-hmm. And we, on the first album, see, we did two albums with Rick Rubin on American Recordings. Okay. We were in a, in a situation where it was that crossroads. We kind of were thrown into the mix of doing the grassroots, but then the whole internet wave was kind of pushing its head up, and that's how it was really kind of working, and we kind of got lost in the shuffle of that whole thing. And, and it w- made it really hard for the band to survive when everybody was putting their attentions into the internet thing, which nobody really knew much about. Or where it would lead. Yeah. Or where it would lead. It was this kind of cold, hard lesson to learn. You know, it's always, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody wants the new shiny toy, and and a lot of times people really don't know how to, you know, even work with it. It was a tough 
time when it comes to band promotion and stuff. Now, on the other hand, it was amazing because we got to work with, you know, one of the biggest producers yes. in the world yeah. and got to do, and he allowed the band to do what the band wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that so was you had fantastic. an ideal situation from the creative yes, standpoint. Yeah, from the creative standpoint, we were on fire. We were media darlings. The band was just on a creative standpoint, was just on fire. We got bands like Stone Temple Pilots that were, you know, Scott Weiland did a, he was covering our music and uh-huh. things like that. We had accolades from the big performers at the time, you know, like Mark McGrath and stuff and yeah. Bono and all these people were like really behind the band. And it's amazing. Like, you have all this kind of going on, but the record just didn't get really far enough. Yeah. And it probably and it didn't get lot. launched in the right way, really. Exactly. It was like we were struggling with all these different ways of the whole components on how mm-hmm. this internet thing worked, you know. Yeah. And, and it was unfortunate, but, you know, I can't complain. We, we got to tour the world and we had an amazing time doing it. Met a lot of really wonderful people and it was great. Hey, you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, and right now we're talking with James Grundler of the alternative band Golden State about his journey in the music business so far. So now you got yeah. to see both, you know, the, the really fun side of the industry, but also kind of the cold side of it, too. So when you found yourself trying to get back in touch with the muse, how difficult a process was that? It was hard because at that time of getting a record deal back in, in those days, we were on the last cusp of big record deals yeah Yeah, exactly you know and big publishing deals so during that time you know the band we got a lot of money Uh and so you have all of a sudden you're you're flush with all this cash and you're living this lifestyle and you're kind of doing this thing but then when it all it all falls away when you don't have the big million dollar hit record you know it all kind of starts to dissipate and then you're like well I don't really have a different job and I really kind of don't know what I'm going to do. And I had to really kind of let it go for a little bit. And I picked up odd jobs, you know, working as a, you know, production manager at a club and just like ridiculous stuff where you're seeing like your peers and your, (laughs) your peers are like on stage performing and you're having to run a mic cable, you know, and you're like, wait a minute. And you were on the cusp of such success too. Yeah. That, Yeah. That would play with your mind. I would think. It was like a it was like a rag to riches to rags. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I get that. Uh, but you what know, good material for future music, right? Yeah, and and that's the whole thing. It's like you know, it takes a lifetime to write your first album. Yeah. And then that's why a lot of artists and bands have a hard time writing their second record because the label wants another album right now, good or yeah. even better. Mm-hmm. But you haven't lived life enough yeah. to, to do that. So it actually enabled me to live life some more. Yeah. What did you learn uh, rolling cable? Actually, I figured out how to roll my cables really well now, so they're <laughs> nice and <laughs> tiny. that my, is a skill. <laughs> what was ultimately happening is you really start to understand you know, the dark side of corporations yes. and, uh-huh. and how easily things can get manipulated and lost you know, through the mix and everything. And, yes. and you start to really open your eyes up and looking at the world around you in a different way. Yeah. I was wondering if you also had that sense of friendships in the music industry, people you had met that you thought were really strong. And then when things started to kind of go south, they were not as strong as you thought they were. Oh, man, that, that's like the oldest story in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you first go down that road and everybody's your, everybody's your buddy. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, you're being, you're being wined and dined and, you know, and, 
everybody is just yeah. like, I'll be your best man at your wedding, you know, that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, and you can do no wrong, really. And you can do no wrong, you know, and it, and it, it is such a strange, funny, when you look back at it now, it's like, it's, it's kind of hilarious how people, mm-hmm. people subject themselves on both sides of the spectrum, you know, these people that, that have to play this role of, oh, I'm your best buddy, and then you, and they're going, oh, I fully believe it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so you both, you both are playing part of the game because ultimately it is. It's just a game to get, to get that almighty dollar put right. back into the pockets of the, of the big record label, yeah. you know. This whole experience definitely led you to Golden State. The whole experience led to Golden State. I started tooling around with some new ideas of music, and what was interesting about it is that it, it was hard at first to get the ideas down, to get the, the new direction down, to get that influence that what you're, what you're dealing with out in, uh, from a guitar or on paper word-wise and stuff. Once my life started becoming, like, putting the pieces back together, because that's the whole thing, too. It's like once the album you know, stopped and the band disbanded and stuff and then and then all of a sudden you leave your record label, you really are kind of all over the place. You are broken in pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So you have to put those pieces back together and find out the new glue that's going to do it. And, and it was a struggle, you know, yeah. trying to figure out I lost everything. I mean, I had to move in. I had to rent a, a, an apartment room, you know, before. Uh-huh. It felt like I was just going backwards, you know, where I had a house. And it was just like the whole thing was just getting crazy. Yeah. You know, you had girlfriends that you had, and, and they leave because you're not the big, you know, rock star, yeah. rock star anymore. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, that's the reality. It's uh-huh. really unfortunate. And but, humbling. But yeah, very humbling, very uh-huh. humbling. And so you're putting the pieces back together, and as you're doing it, you start to develop some new friendships of people that are at the same ground base that you're at. Yes. And you start to work with these people, and, and things start to click, and, and all of a sudden, your life's getting back together. You're starting to put some coin in your pocket, and mm-hmm. and you start putting it together. And, and when you're in that frame of having confidence again is when the music starts to go and come out and flow easier. The band, Golden State, the frontman, James Grendler, and the show, The Mulberry Lane Show. We'll be right back with more from James and his musical journey right after this. Keep it here. And here's a little Golden State. I've been traveling through crystal years looking for a song Seasons change and disappear Even when right or wrong There's a journey within the song Starting over, it's back to the start Take me 